Hi guys, Paul from the Innovation Community here. Today I'm with Bernd Prushoff, who is the Chief Digital Officer over at UVEX Group. Thanks for joining us. Hello Paul, nice to meet you and nice to meet your audience as well. Just to start with, tell us a bit about yourself in a few words. Well, as you said, today I'm the Group Chief Digital Officer at UVEX Group and uh, uh, I started in digital around 20 years ago and I worked myself through the big consultancies, the big digital agencies, and also worked a lot in retail as well. So, um, yeah, I can. I, I used to say that I started in digital when we still didn't have this name back then. Uh, but uh, yes, it's 20 years of experience transforming businesses and people. Fantastic. So, how has that role evolved over the the, the, the many years you've been working in digital? Um, when we started, you know, back in the year 2000, uh, uh, you and your audience, you probably remember it was a new economy time when the internet was still young. We still had these large store retailers. Nobody had a smartphone and, and everybody was talking about whether this uh, curious thing called internet would stay with us or go away finally. And uh, I was working back then with Accenture and uh, we were a group of five people and we had nothing else to do than analyzing the startup business in uh, the Dutch region. And this was, I think, a very exciting time because there were so many young people coming up with ideas on what could possibly be done with this crazy thing called internet. And uh, this is where I got fascinated with the topic. I think uh, then it became more mature. This was when I went into the retail industry. Uh, you know, back then, retail was an industry knowledge like with automotive and engineering. Today, if you look at what's happening in business, retail is basically method knowledge uh, because whenever you come up uh, with selling something, you need to know how retail processes work and, 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 and all uh, the things that come with it, like we call it, you know, retail is detail, uh, and you need to know uh, about this. Uh, I, I, send, I then saw the, the emergence of the multi-channel and omni-channel topic uh, as soon as every one of us had a smartphone in his or her hands. Uh, and of course, retail again had to solve the problem, like how do I identify uh, an individual customer, how do I uh, know what they did in the, all the other channels? So this was, I think, the birth date of CRM, the birth day of analytics and, and e-commerce KPIs. And then uh, I think which, uh, the next step was the importance of design when all the digital agencies came in, when the agencies started to realize it's not only about black, red or yellow, it's about how things work actually on a digital device. And um, yes, today, I think we focus a lot on the human aspect of uh, this transformation, on, on all the change topics, on all the big questions like why and for what. And uh, uh, I think that's, that's an amazing journey to see how mankind actually dealt <laughs> with the internet and everything that came with it uh, over the last 20 years. So. So today my job is quite broad. I'm dealing with change and dealing with uh, the employees and I'm trying to cover the human aspect of it as well as the business, as well as this design, as well as the technology aspect. And that what makes this job so fascinating. Absolutely. So what are you up to in the current role? 
And the current role, um, maybe you and also the people in your audience know UVEX from our uh, um, safety equipment and, and uh, protective uh, assets that we sell. So, of course, like the skiing helmets and cycling helmets and our sunglasses. And, and we do this in a wide range uh, of, of use cases, not only for the sports people, but also for employees in an industrial environment. And uh, today we are uh, looking very much into what does it mean to protect people uh, if these people are using digital devices, uh, walking in a digital environment and, and have things like wearables on their hands. And, and uh, so what we call digitally protecting digital people in a digital world. And uh, of course, this expands the scope very much as you can imagine, if you, you are wearing a helmet in order for the helmet to protect you, you need to have the accident, obviously. Um, but if this helmet would have sensors and would be combined somehow with a smartphone, eventually we can avoid the accident. And so uh, uh, I think combining uh, the real world with the digital world really expands the scope of the mission to protect people. And this is uh, what we are working on. And of course, also with our internal transformation by uh, adapting our processes, adapting our customer interaction platforms uh, to all the uh, state-of-the-art technology which is out there today. And you sound like someone who's really passionate about working in this space and you've been doing it for many years. What's really kept you uh, passionate about digital throughout that time? Well, um, First, first of all, uh, I like the combination uh, uh, that, that you need to bring to digital. Um, um, just, just a little anecdote out of my private life. My, my mother was a really creative person and, and uh, uh, my father was a very analytical person. And I always make the joke that I'm the perfect mixture out of the, both of them. And, and I think, but actually I think that's what, what you need in digital. It's a huge piece of creativity, a huge piece of uh, um, storytelling, creating stories, being a poet uh, about what could possibly be done. And uh, I, I really enjoy that one. It's about telling people the story and getting people on board. It's about getting into interaction, emphasize with them, and then basically translating this in all the aspects of a business, may it be a strategy, a process, and also tech. And uh, yeah, that, that what gets me passionate. I, the whole day I'm thinking about what, what if we would do it? Uh, what, how would it feel if we could do it? And, and I think that's such an intriguing question, you know, and then, and then having the opportunity to actually make it happen. And, 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 and then seeing all these things coming to life, uh, it's like, you know, getting a new kid born every time again and again. And uh, uh, I don't know if you've got kids, <laughs> but uh, being, with, being with, you, with somebody and a new kid is born is a very emotional thing. And well, this is my profession, you know, uh, bringing kids to life. And uh, that's what drives me every day. <laughs> Fantastic. So what are some of the major successes that you've achieved over your career? Well, you know, I'm always hesitating to answer that question because this is usually a judgment that has to be done by other people. Uh, but um, I can only say what uh, has been 
a great achievement for me personally and especially for my teams was when with my last employer, which was a, uh, a, a medium-sized company in Germany as well. Uh, and uh, I started there and it was that, you know, typical uh, uh, zero-hour project, <laughs> you know, um, just the CEO saying, okay, we need to deal with this crazy thing called digital. You want to be our CDO and start from scratch. And um, that was around that time, you know, especially in Germany, when everybody was talking about, you know, this German Mittelstand, this uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, they're all, they're all about to die because everybody has to become like Silicon Valley, you know. And, uh, um, and I, I was really struggling with that attitude because I think there's a lot of very valuable assets that we have in German Mittelstand. And all of these companies look back on... on 90, 100, 120 years of entrepreneurship, and uh, they've done things long before the Silicon Valley started to do it. Um, it was just about how can we translate these assets that we've created over the past and the future. And um, then we, we, we finally turned out, you know, to over the last three years to win all the major digital awards that the industry has to offer in Germany. And... Uh, First of, first of all, it was, uh, of course, a great benchmarking. But on the other side, you know, it was so fascinating to see these people in my teams, you know. Like I said, it can be done. We, this small team from, from a little town near to Nuremberg, you know, we can, we can beat all the others. We can, we can actually make that move that all the major companies really congratulate us and say, wow, great stuff that you've done. Uh, in terms of consistency, in terms of really uh, humble transformation. And, uh, well, that was a great achievement, you know. It's, and first, first of all, seeing an industry congratulate you, which is always amazing. But, of course, you know, looking into the eyes of your team, and, and you can still remember them wondering when the journey began, oh, wow, <laughs> where will this end up? And then we finally made it. So I think this was a great achievement as well. Another achievement for me personally was uh, in this company, I also uh, became not only CDO, but also CIO. And, uh, you know, everybody was talking about how can these two roles, you know, be not competitive, you know. And uh, by having both roles in one hand and finally setting up uh, a, a value chain that uh, serves of all, uh, digital purposes as well as classic IT purposes, uh, um, that was a, quite of a challenge, especially if you have a global network of IoT subsidiaries who have actually never worked together. And also as well, you know, being then among the top three CIO of the year uh, awardees, um, based on what you've done by combining digital with IT, that was also for me personally, very personally, you know, uh, because it was a huge bet that I was taking. and. Um, uh, I actually didn't know whether it would work out or not, but it did. And as you say, yeah, it, it was really a great personal success. Again, for the team as well, uh, because it was a classic IT department. Um, rather, rather a support function than actually a business driver. And that was reclaimed then. We, we, we made us on our journey what we called from support function to business drive of choice. And uh, I think that was... That was a great journey, and to me, you know, seeing this being achieved was a great personal achievement for me as well. 
Yeah. And, and I think that's a really huge challenge is aligning the business and IT functions. Um, so I, I guess there were some pretty big challenges uh, that, that came when, when trying to assimilate those functions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, you know, if, if people have been raised in a way that business makes decisions and discusses things with IT not being at the table and, 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 and an IT department that actually has got used to it, you know, so, okay, we don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get a requirement sheet. And then and the only thing we've got to do is get this thing realized, you know. Um, it's a huge cultural change, of course. And, and I think this is the power where digital can, can, can come in. Because, you know, with my CDO head, uh, um, I'm always talking about business opportunities. I may be bottom line or may be top line. I'm always talking business. I'm not talking tech, you know, and, and, and I'm talking about new customer offerings. I'm talking about new services and products. I'm talking about uh, disrupting our processes in a way that they cost much less. And uh, I think that's a totally new reason to be for IT, for, for the old dusty IT, you know, and so because we make it happen. And uh, uh, bringing the awareness that there's no dollar and no euro which is not running across our systems. And uh, if we are not on the, in the boat, you know, and, and, and even up front, I mean, with all these new technologies like, you name it, blockchain, augmented reality or whatever, there's normally there's no requirement coming from your business about these very fancy new technologies. Um, because uh, there are no tech people in, in, in the business departments. And, and if, if there's somebody giving you that requirement, he's pretty much advanced. But usually, especially if, if, if all these new technologies come up, you need to be the tech guys who have, need to analyze them and find out whether this is useful for your company or not. So, so actually claiming to be a business driver because we understand technology uh, it should not be surprising if we look at uh, today's world. I think the only point is that the IT department needs to take that position, you know, actively take it and, and own it and, and also have the self-confidence to be able to fulfill it. And, and, and in talking ideas and talking about directions, talk about strategic suggestions and not just wait for somebody to come up and say, well, this is my requirement. And on the other hand, of course, it's, it's a, a change for business because they are used to having the say, in a sense. And, uh, but, but I also recognize, you know, usually the business people are very thankful if you offer them help because at the end of the day, they know how complex technology is. They know how complicated it is to integrate all these systems. Um, and they mostly have no actual clue about how things work in detail. And if you have the capability to explain it to them in a very simple manner and explain them how they can take profit out of it, uh, I've always seen also business people, you know, jumping on board saying, thank you. Finally, this mystery has been removed. You know, I'm actually getting it. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what you do as a CDO. And I think also as a CIO, you need to build the bridge. Everybody can walk over and, and, and you need to translate into both languages. And finally, find a way that both sides can understand uh, and, and not, you know, sticking to your own language and calling the other side stupid because they don't get it, you know. Um, 
So uh, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest hurdle. It's it's not about the budgets. It's not about the tech. It's about it's about translating and bringing the cultures together. That's a really good point to bring up. How how would you describe your your own leadership style? I know again, this is a task usually for other people to do. Um, but how would you you know the way you conduct yourself and the way you go about those translations? Well, I think first of all, I'm. I always force myself to be a driver for diversity because, you know, as a CDO, usually you start with a very small team. And I, when, I'm, when I'm somewhere on stage as a speaker, I always compare it to the Lord of the Rings. You know, you, you need the archer, you need the sorcerer, you need, you need the warrior, you need the elf, you need the dwarf, you know, you need all of them because you, you don't know what kind of challenges will lie ahead. And, and uh, there's no point, you know, in having uh, uh, six tall warriors with a broadsword, uh, but then all of a sudden there's a little hole that would actually help you to have a dwarf that could get through this, you know. And, and so diversity is a big point that I'm trying to, to implement in all my teams and I have different views on board, especially if, if it has to be small teams. Um, and also, you know, I, I tell all my people, um, I want you to act like if I wasn't there. And uh, I think that's really, really important. You know, we have to be fast. We have to be flexible, especially as a small digital team within a larger organization. People need to be, need to have guidelines or, or guarding rails. It's probably the better word. Um, but within those guarding rails, they need to be as independent as possible. Because if, if I become the bottleneck, uh, that's again, you know, the biggest hurdle for increasing speed. And it's and, and this is really a point, you know, as a CDO, of course, especially these days on LinkedIn and, and all the, 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 the big summits, of course I get the invitations. Of course I have this crazy title that everybody wants to talk to, you know, and and, and, and I'm asked to be a speaker on the stages, but the point is my team needs to be famous. If, if my team is famous, at the end of the day, I'll be famous as well. You know, it's not about me. It's about, it's about my, my people being with the right skills in the right places with the right independency, you know, and this actually makes things big and we can do much more and we can dig much faster into that organization and we can drive change much faster Usually I'm just the icebreaker and once I've broken the ice, it's, it's about my team to get in and, and, and infuse other people. And so that's, that's basically my leadership style, you know, uh, saying, okay, uh, I, I, I'm building a team, I'm painting a picture of a team which is as diverse as possible, um, but having, having an army of speedboats, you know, uh, that are independent enough to explore a new piece of the world. And, and uh, as long as, as we have, you know, radio contact, everything's fine, you know. And, and if there's an opportunity, if I give a call and say, okay, we need to come together for five minutes next to that island ahead of us just to align ourselves, you know, that, that's enough. But they need to be fast. And, and uh, yeah, besides that, uh, I have to say I'm a family person and uh, I'm also convinced that we're spending so much time in our work, uh, and and we are much we have much more time that we spend in our work than with our families. So so as a leader, I also love to have 
a workplace which I call my family as well. You know, people that I admire, people that I like, people that I can have fun with, you know, people that I can have a joke with and people who are there for each other if, if somebody has a weak moment and which it actually includes me, you know. Um, I, I have not eaten a greater portion of wisdom than anybody else, you know. There's as well moments where I don't have a clue. And, and this is the moment where my team can step up and say, you know, no worries, we know how to do it, we'll fix it. And, 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 and I think that's, that's really, if you can arrange that, it's a fun place to work where people really appreciate each other and understand that as a family, you can achieve much more, you know, uh, compared to when everybody only brings his or her ego to the place. And again, with that in mind, what was the biggest mistake that you made during your career, do you think? Um, you know, in digital, you know, we don't talk about mistakes. We talk about learnings. <laughs> uh, no, actually, when I, when I was a young boy and, and, then, and I started in my professional career, I, I started in consulting like so many others, you know, and uh, I have to, to, to tell you that when, when I was younger, uh, probably you wouldn't assume, but actually I call myself an introvert. You know, I'm, I'm very much into reading. I'm very much into being alone as well. And, and uh, I'm not so, uh, so much into, you know, talking, always talking and, 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 and choking for an audience. And um, when I was a young consultant, I, I I struggled with that because I, you know, in this consulting world, being an introvert is like, oh no, how is this going to work out? And um, and I was and I was desperately, you know, trying to to, to make to make sense for me, you know, in this uh, uh, higher fire uh, um, and and very attitude driven business, you know, to to make my point. And uh, um, and then I finally understood that. You know, being an introvert, thinking about emotions, thinking about other people, empathizing with them, that's my asset. You know, that's, that's what makes the difference, especially now being uh, holding a line position for a small, medium-sized company. It's about the humans. It's, it's about the human interaction and you know, uh, having the ability to listen and be quiet. You know, not talking at first, listening. Um, and then uh, getting yourself into, into the souls and the minds of people and trying to understand what they are currently going through and then building your transformation with them on that uh, actually turned out to be my, 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 my recipe for success, you know, and, and I think that was, that was my learning, you know. I, uh, I, my mistake was that I didn't learn it earlier. <laughs> Uh, it, it took me some years until I finally got to that point. So it's probably not a mistake. It's like with, with everything that you do in your professional career from time to time, you think that's the way it has to be done, you know, and, and, and you need to obey to it. And of course, there's a certain point in your need to master the rules first until you can break them. But um, yeah, that's, that's probably... Uh, one, one of the mistakes that I made, so, so I, I could have done it earlier. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and earlier you mentioned that you, you like to create that family, which I think is mm -hmm. a, a really uh, good way of putting it. 
How has COVID-19 affected your role and your organization and more importantly, the way you actually do that? Well, um, that was really exciting because, you know, um, when I started at UBEX, it was uh, in May and, and it was, you know, the first uh, climax of, of COVID. Um, and I, my whole onboarding was uh, under COVID circumstances. <laughs> and um, I, I, was really, I was really thinking about that the whole time because I was taking over an already existing team and I was like, okay. How do you get close to these people? You know, if you can only see them on on, on, on Teams, and uh, um, so so lucky me, uh, Uvex did a great job with COVID anyway. Uh, so the whole uh, staff is was working virtually anyway uh, already before in a very easy augmented style between uh, real life meetings and virtual meetings. And so, so this was really, really well prepared. So it was easy for me. And of course, what helps, you know, our big mission is protecting people. And this is, goes not only into the direction of our customers and partners, of course, it goes also into the direction of our employees and our people. Uh, so uh, our management and our owners are very, very aware uh, of that. And they, they put a lot of effort in making sure that all our people are safe. So also looking at the actual COVID cases in our company, it's really just, you know, a handful. So we, we really were lucky. And um, yes, I mean, again, what could I do? I, I really very much remember my first team call with my team. And, and, and my first point was, you know, guys, Honestly, I've never imagined that this would happen, <laughs> you know, that we first meet on a screen. You know, I would have loved to be there. And the point was, you know, they felt the same. They, they, they were waiting for me to come as their new boss. And they were yeah, also in the, in, at the, this emotional state where they said, oh, well, <laughs> I meet this guy the first time on the screen. The, the, how weird is this? And... Uh, yeah, by coming together and that feeling and also, you know, being an open about the uncertainty, being open about nobody of us knows how this situation will gonna evolve. Being open about also the fears, you know, how it's not only about the business, you know, within my team I have so many parents with school with kids in school, with with elderly parents, with uh, people with diseases, lung diseases, you know, and, and of course they have worries and they have fears. And, and um, yeah, so, but I think that was finally the glue then because we, we started to talk openly about that and saying, okay, uh, how can we help each other out? How can we, how can we help you to spend enough time with your, with your sick mother? How can we make sure that you spend enough time with your kids for homeschooling? And, and, you know, by making arrangements within the team, um, this is how a family works, you know. Um, I've got a problem, can you help me out? And, and uh, now my problem is fixed, now I can help you out. And I think that was the way to go. And I think so COVID time was actually, uh, finally turned out to be a, a big opportunity as well for the team to grow together much more than they were before I joined. And what's your top working from home tip? 
make a schedule. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the point. I mean, I have to admit that, of course, you know, working as a consultant for so many years, you are much more used to working remotely and working in a home office or in different locations uh, than uh, the normal worker is. And uh, to me, you know, it's it's... You are, the, the important point is that you, yes, you are at home or you are at a different location, but it's actually a working day. And, and by, by having the same habits that you, that you have in your office, have the same habits at home, you know, and, 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 and also stick to your calendar and make meetings. And, and also what I think is important, um, especially if you are a leader, uh, Nobody cares actually that when you're working from home and you are on a phone call that you're wearing a polo shirt and not a suit. You know, nobody worries about you know grabbing your cup of coffee. Uh, nobody, nobody worries about your kids coming in. Uh, but what people actually do notice is that uh, if you work differently once you're at home. If you give them the feeling of that you're less interested, that you have less focus, that you are distracted by everything, because people come with topics to you which are still important to them. They, they want you for a decision, they want you for guidance, they want you for a direction. So to them, it's still important. And, and your, your clothes and your surroundings doesn't matter, but your mind and your, and your decision. So. Uh, I think I think the biggest exercise is being at home, being in your leisure environment. But at the moment, when your team and your colleagues are talking to you, give them the same kind of attention you would give them uh, uh, if they would address you in your office. And so I think I think that's that's one of the major things that people need to pay attention to. And you mentioned habits. Do you have like a, a routine that helps you separate the work and the, the professional side of things at home? Well, I think to me, but, and I think this is very personal. I, I, I'm very sure that uh, uh, and aware that I think everyone has to figure out his or her personal home office routine in a way. For me, what has been important is to have kind of physical separation. So like really having a working room. So not taking my laptop, you know, to my living room and having my TV next to me. And because it's like I say, of course, the potential for being distracted is, is, is too much. But also for me, you know, I, I need to, to have that feeling of at the end of the day in the evening. So now my work's finished. I need, I'm now leaving the room and now I'm there for my friends and my family. So for me, for me, this kind of physical separation was really, really important. Um, and also, um, I, 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 to me, I learned when I, when I was still as working as a consultant, I was working out quite a lot. I went, I went a lot for like running or, or something else when I was working at a client location. When I started to work from home, I realized even though the, it was much easier to do workouts and sports, but once you're at home and you're in, in your leisure environment, it's more likely that you stay at home and say, oh, no, I'm too tired today. 
So, so, so actually, you know, even though you are at home, you know, keep up your routine. That actually is good for your mind and for and for your body, and and not like you know, I'm at home anyway, so so now it's time to 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 relax because I'm actually seeing my 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 sofa and 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 my TV and my sound station and my PlayStation or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's probably another point. Stick to your routine that you that you've developed actually uh, to, in order to, to to be up to date with your mind and body. And right now, where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement within your own organization? Well, for us right now, we are in a big transformation. Uh, you probably don't know, but uh, Uvex historically always has been a, a B2B company. So in the sports group, we are selling to retail. In, in uh, the safety group, we are selling to the companies directly. And, and with other business models, we are also like doing white label stuff and white label retail. Um, and now I'm currently in my second role. I'm not only the CDO, I'm also the CEO of a new subgroup that has been founded and, and we are now building up the, uh, the B2C business because uh, COVID has shown us, you know, uh, if, if all the retail stores are closed, you know, there's no opportunity for consumers to buy our products. And, and fortunately enough, we have built up a very strong Amazon business. So at least we had this digital channel. But of course, you know, especially with protective wear, which is a very, very sensitive topic for consumers, having the right protection uh, against against very, very uh, serious dangers. Um, there's a true point in buying this stuff from the from the manufacturer, and this is why we are currently building up uh, um, the digital platform to do so. And, and this is really exciting because it. it, it it's uh, very interesting to, to, to dig deeper into the question, how do people actually buy protection for themselves? Uh, it's not that easy. It's not like I just need the measurement for my helmet and that's it. So, so people are very sensitive about getting the right protection. And, and then translating this into digital advisory is, uh, is really, really interesting. And this will be a major step for, for UBEX as a group as well, because this is also the uh, uh, the task that we were given by the stakeholders and the shareholders, uh, build up that B2C capability with all what belongs to it. And there we come back to my retail background, you know, saying, okay, this is, we need this, we need the capability to ship packages, we need the capability to measure everything, we need the, the capability to talk to a consumer directly. You know, and this is really exciting stuff to build this with a strong brand and background with great products in the background. And uh, um, yeah, we are probably not the first ones to do that, but we are also not the last ones to do it. So we can profit from the learnings. And I think this is uh, the biggest chunk that we are taking over the next month. Brilliant. So uh, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Sorry, I didn't get a question. The best piece of advice you ever received? Oh, well, um, I had a very good, it's probably two pieces of advice. Um, it's, it's both, both from uh, former, former executives I was working with. And I think 
the one advice is uh, once you become a leader and and uh, I received this advice when I was about to become a part at IBM and uh, there was that one sentence um, lose control in order to gain influence and uh, I think that's that's important the more you become a senior leader. You know, it's it's not about you controlling every single detail of what people do. It's by influencing your employees towards a certain kind of quality, uh, influencing towards a certain kind of behavior, uh, and, 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 and being a role model for them, you know, showing that behavior and then having them showing the same behavior because they want to, because they see it as an influence, and not because you controlled it and you punished them if they don't. So I think um, that's that's something that sticks with me. And and uh, um, another sentence that stuck with me is, and I think that's valid for our whole lives, is uh, responsibility is the first step to freedom. Um, and I think that's important, especially if you want to change something, maybe your business, maybe the way you're living, uh, maybe the society because you are engaging and especially in these pandemic times, you know, um, if we want to create freedom, if we want to be free again from this pandemic, we need to take responsibility and, and we cannot push responsibility to someone else, you know, that's, that's so easy, you know, to say it's the politicians, it's, it's, it's uh, the big tech companies, it's, it's the pharma industry, you know, it's a, people that, who are looking for a guilty one and so, uh, just looking for somebody to put the guilt on, you know, it's, this is not the point. This is not how you get freedom. Um, and and um, I'm really, I'm also, you know, trying to, to give this to my kids as well. You know, if you, if you feel unfree in a situation, maybe your job, maybe in your sports team, maybe with a friend, Take responsibility. Take responsibility for designing the situation in a different way until you feel free. So if you, if you can describe the situation that makes you feel free, don't wait for somebody to create it. Take the responsibility and create it yourself. So, uh, well, that's probably the two sentences that stuck the most with me. What are you curious about right now? Well, um, <laughs> Um, that's two things. So first of all, like I said, I'm, I'm really curious about once we launch that digital platform at UX, um, how the, what's going to happen? Because it's, it's, it's again one of these crazy times. You know, right now we don't have consumers buying at us with uh, uh, directly. Uh, so so everything we we think about our consumers is hypothesis. You know. And and uh, I'm really curious about testing these hypotheses, or, uh, if this thing works out. And 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 in my private life, um, uh, also a hidden fun fact: um, we had this conversation, and in our previous call, um, I was over the over the last ten months, I was writing a book uh, that that combines my my two. Uh, uh, Activities which have actually, you know, shaped my life. It's it's about the leadership and and about dancing because I was a competition dancer when I was a young boy and 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 I worked as a dancing coach for thirty years now. 
and how these things impacted each other, you know, being a dancer and understanding art delivered at a high professional level, um, the huge level of athleticism. Um, how does this get into becoming a leader and leading people in your business and, 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 and shaping things and being artful in shaping businesses? Uh, but then uh, creating a performance that matters to people and, win, and which they stand up for and applaud you. And, and uh, I've written uh, a book about that and it's going to be published in, in November. And I'm really excited and curious about the response from all my friends and my family and especially my kids because I've written it for them as well. Because this is your dad, sorry. <laughs> Uh, so um, that's going to be great as well, and I'm really curious about it. Yeah, that that sounds actually really interesting. Uh, I think you're definitely the first dance coach we've had on the podcast, so congrats on that. <laughs> uh, apart from yourself, who is your favourite thought leader or author? Um, honestly, uh, I'm I'm really looking broad into that topic. I've never uh, uh, stick to somebody's specific. Um, I'm an I have to confess I'm an avid reader and, and, and uh, I'm always, you know, looking for, for biographies of people, you know, and, and especially of people who have been active in an environment that I have no clue about, you know, and, and uh, um, by reading these kind of stories, I learned so much about, you know, different areas, which kind of feeds my creativity and, uh, and, and, and kind of feeds my curiosity. But on the other hand, you know, if these people have been successful, um, how did they manage it? How, how did their lives go? How did they deal with things like, you know, being top professional, but having a family? Um, and it's, you know, it's really broad. It's, uh, uh, it's not only the famous people like, you know, Schwarzenegger or uh, Keith Richards, um, Elton John, um, and, 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 and all those guys, but also, you know, snooker players, wrestlers. You know, I'm currently reading a biography of a famous WWE wrestler, which, is, which may be funny, you know, but what, we, what these guys do is, is really athleticism on a very, very high level. And, and you know, with, with uh, uh, um, a very, uh, you know, risky career. And how do they deal with it? And, and uh, and uh, yeah, that's something that inspires me the most and where I can take the most out of. I, I would actually not actually give you one single name. Um, it's uh, uh, to me, my, my piece of advice would be, you know, I always have the impression if I looked at LinkedIn that digital people are only reaching, reading digital books in a sense. And, and uh, to me, this has always been too much of within my own bubble, you know? And uh, I, I learn more from the people who are absolutely not digital at all. Um, and they teach me the most and, and, and this inspires me to adapt things for my digital bubble. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to spread my interest. <laughs> and finally then, what advice would you give for aspiring leaders in digital? Well, um, I think piece number one advice would be, you know, it's not about tech, it's about people. 
it's uh, of course we are fascinated by tech and we are fascinated by methods and we are fascinated by new work and everything. At the end of the day, if you become a digital leader, it's about the people. You need to bring people together together. And therefore, it's great if you are uh, a good method person. It's great if you are familiar with tech. Uh, it's great if you have some experience with projects and IT. But you need to be a human human. You need to, you need to be the, the first human that people want to talk to. And I always tell you know, the young students, if we as a human are the first hurdle, because people don't know how to work with us, don't know how to talk to us, uh, are worrying if they can ask us a question. If we use a language they don't understand, if we are the first hurdle, how do we ever want to get our topic through the door? So by being, uh, being a digital leader means being a human leader for humans and then later on bringing in your topic and um, be very much aware of who you are as a human, what's your, what's your ups, what's your downs, what's your pains, what's your beliefs, because this is how you react. And if you understand about this about you, you are looking at the same things in other people. And this is where you get the bridges that you can build. And uh, that would be my piece of advice. And that was great advice from Bernd Prushoff, Chief Digital Officer at Uvex Group. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you and bye-bye.